Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Biography. I'm Mark Clovis, your host for the channel. Today, we're talking with Tim Brady about his new biography of Theodore Roosevelt Jr., entitled His Father's Son, The Life of General Ted Roosevelt Jr. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you could start us off by telling us something about yourself. Sure. I I, uh, I, I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've been uh, been a writer for oh, 25 or 30 years. I, I began as a fiction writer, went to the uh, Iowa Writers Workshop where I, I, I studied, got my MFA, and, and uh, moved up here uh, 25 years ago and, and uh, began a freelance writing career. And I've written uh, for a number of magazines, and I, I spent some time working at the uh, uh, Twin Cities Public Television uh, uh, particularly working on documentaries, we we worked on a on a series uh, in the in the 90s that was called Liberty, uh, the American Revolution, which was sort of a Ken Burns style documentary history of of, of the revolution. Uh, I when I left there, I I got involved in in freelance writing of of history, I, and again I I wrote for. Uh, a number of magazines and and uh, began writing books about uh, ten or twelve years ago and and uh, uh, the Ted Roosevelt biography is is my third book that uh, has a, a sort of World War two uh, background to it uh, the, the first one was a, a, a history of a incident in in during the uh, invasion of North Africa in Morocco called 12 Desperate Miles. The second was uh, uh, the story of uh, Ernie Pyle and, and perhaps his most famous World War II column, which was written about a soldier who was killed at the Battle of San Pietro in, in Italy. Uh, and this one evolved 
out of uh, the same sort of circumstances. I, my general interest in the war and uh, looking for uh, specific uh, colorful characters and incidents that I could write about. Well, you make it very clear in your book that, that Ted Roosevelt is, is a very colorful character. In fact, you open it by uh, describing him as a young boy in the uh, Rough Rider camp in 1898 after his father's return from the Spanish-American War. And uh, he's uh, they're, they're the process of wrapping up the unit. And you set him there as this young boy watching his father. You talk about the influences had upon him. And I wanted to start discussing the book by talking a bit about that. What sort of influence do you see Theodore Roosevelt having upon his son? Oh, his father, I think, was was everything to the way uh, the young Ted. I think that uh, he admired him greatly, and 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 there was a lot of hero worship involved. But uh, his mother too was a, a strong influence, and and both uh, sort of guided young Ted into the life that he led. Uh, his his father again was the heroic man, the the guy that uh, that Ted saw from from uh, his his father's office at that that camp on Long Island uh, after after his heroics and at San Juan Hill. Uh, his mother was more of a uh, offered more of the Puritan background to him, and but but both uh, uh, both influenced his his decisions and his his life and his uh, uh, his sort of moral temperament. Mm-hmm. And, and that dynamic really stands out in terms of the patterns that you return to, and we'll be discussing those patterns in a bit. But I was also struck by another dynamic that you refer to throughout the book, which is the interaction between uh, Ted Roosevelt and his siblings. And, and it was a, a family structure with which you know many people are familiar with, but you, you go into uh, greater depth in terms of talking about his half sister and his brothers and his uh, sister. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that. You know, his his, his brothers and his sisters, and uh, whom was he particularly close with, and and how did some of those uh, relationships play out, especially as uh, children? Uh, you know, it was they had a very interesting family, as as uh, all of the literature and and the recent uh, te- uh, the recent television. Uh, uh, documentary reveals, you know, and and the children were uh, individuals within the family, and they were sort of designated as such. Uh, Alice was the, the 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 wild child. She was the half sister, the oldest, uh, the 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 daughter of uh, Theodore's first wife, who who died soon after giving birth to Alice, and. And Alice was subsequently uh, 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 left to be raised by uh, Theodore's sister for a couple of years while he went off to off uh, to his ranch in the west and and communed with the the cattle and and uh, uh, nature for a while. Uh, Ted was the oldest boy. He was he was born next. He was uh, was followed by Kermit and Ted and Kermit. Uh, became a, a, a set of uh, the matched pair as the older brothers, and and Ted was viewed as the uh, uh, the, the sort of solemn 
elderly brother who uh, who was a little bit um, he, uh, he he had Ted had a, a crossed eye uh, from from birth onward and and uh, and was small like his father and 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 had a bit of a chip on his shoulder because of these things. So Ted was always a. a, a the, he was both the, the the son who was expected to to follow closely in his father's footsteps, but also he was the the, the sort of picked on boy, or he he at least viewed himself that way. Kermit was uh, was more of the artistic Roosevelt child, and 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 he was uh, he was thought to be more sensitive than than Ted. The uh, the middle uh, 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 girl uh, was was uh, sort of suffered from that status as the middle child, and and uh, she was close to Ted, but she was she was sort of uh, offset from the from the two older boys and the two younger boys, uh, Archie and Quentin, and Archie and Quentin were. Where the other match set Archie was kind of the uh, 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 he was of all the Roosevelts he was perhaps the most dour and he was sort of he grew up to be kind of a depressive character and and had those traits uh, somewhat uh, from the beginning and and Quentin was the golden child and and Quentin was the child. Uh, all thought had Theodore's brilliance, and all thought, uh, and, and 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 people felt that he was that great things awaited him when he grew up. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, he never got that chance. Mm-hmm. And you, and of course, because of the nature of the family, they they grow up at, at different stages in Theodore Roosevelt's career, and that's one of the things that makes their childhood very different from so many other presidential children, which is where so many children of, of presidents usually are adults by the time their, their fathers have become president. They, their childhoods coincide with this period, which Theodore Roosevelt becomes a national figure and then enters the, 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 the white house. And as you describe as, as Ted Roosevelt is growing up, as he's going to, to, to Groton and then to Harvard, it's happening while his father's in the white house. So he becomes a celebrity in his own right. He does, and and uh, so do the others. But, but uh, Ted, I think, was at a at a particularly vulnerable age when all of this happened. He was uh, 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 he had barely arrived at Groton when his father was uh, was uh, uh, succeeded uh, McKinley as president. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, it was uh, in uh, Ted's first year there that. Uh, that uh, McKinley was assassinated and and uh, uh, and Theodore became president, um, and and so it was, uh, he, you know, he he didn't like the attention and and he he continued not to like the attention for the most part in his adolescence and childhood. He when he went off to Harvard uh, in 1905, he was uh, trailed by a, a pack of reporters and. And uh, he went off for the foot, went out for the football team that fall, and 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 his every doing on the football team was reported in the national press. The, he was a he was a freshman on on the on the freshman team, which 
you know, wasn't uh, though Harvard football was uh, was the best in the country at the time, or one of the the Ivy League football was the best. Uh, Ted was, as I say, just a freshman defensive end, weighing all of 140 pounds, and uh, and and there were newspaper reporters on the sidelines watching his practices. He didn't like that, and and uh, he 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 sort of uh, it added to a sense of of uh, the the chip on his shoulder, and uh, it, but all of the Roosevelt children's were children were were uh, provided fodder for the for the press at that time. Alice was uh, was in particular a favorite, and she on the uh, as opposed to Ted relished that attention. As you mentioned, uh, Alice gets married uh, around the time that, that Ted goes to Harvard. So she goes from being a debutante to being the wife of Nicholas Longworth. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, they, they go off to their honeymoon. And it's almost as though that attention that she was receiving from the media then sort of shifts over to uh, the next eldest, Roosevelt, which happened to be Ted. Yeah. And and it was a, 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 it was a Again, a great burden to him, or he felt like a great burden. She went off on a uh, on a tour to the Far East, and and uh, uh, that took her out of the uh, the daily press for a, for a brief while. Though, though via telegram, she was still making news on that tour. But uh, yeah, that that sort of meant that the uh, the press could focus on Ted, who was the, the eldest uh, Roosevelt, and. Uh, and 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 there he was at Harvard, and and uh, so reporters from the East Coast dailies went up and and covered him. Mm-hmm. And his performance in school uh, was not necessarily what one might expect, because his father, when, when Theodore Roosevelt was going to Harvard, he uh, excelled academically. He he did quite well, and yet you describe that that Ted at, at Groton and Harvard wasn't quite uh, the academic star. What, what was his uh, school experience like in that respect? Uh, he wasn't. He was he was a mediocre student, and and he was also he 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 kind of began sowing some wild oats while he was in school. He he uh, uh, joined the clubs and and started to uh, go out and and have himself a good time and. And uh, he was he he like all the Roosevelts, he had a, a, a kind of a wayward uh, or an instinct to to wander around, and 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 he uh, he always had interests, uh, uh, nature interests, and so he would go out and go hunting, and he he would be uh, he went to a I, I re- report that. Uh, he went to a boxing match, and uh, which was a typical Roosevelt thing to do. And the press found him at the boxing match, and and he went to a rodeo up in Buffalo, New York, and participated in the rodeo. And and you know, for his for his parents who were uh, reading these reports when he's supposed to be studying up at at Harvard in his freshman year, they're wondering what is going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, his father took to calling him. Uh, uh, Pendarvis, uh, which who was a, a character from a Thackeray novel, who uh, who was sort of always getting into, who had gone off to school and was always getting in 
to trouble and had to be bailed out by a rich uncle. And he would write to Kermit, who was at, who was at Groton at this time and becoming a favorite correspondent of, of his father about his son Ted and, and Ted's wayward ways. And, uh, so there, there, there was that interesting dynamic in the, within the family too. Uh, Kermit, Kermit became the, uh, uh, the confidant of, for Theodore in, in talking about, uh, uh, talking about Ted. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, of course, just his father uh, or, or, or his siblings that were commenting on him. But as you mentioned, he received a lot of commentary from uh, his peers who viewed him as, you know, the president's son. And there was there, there's you mentioned a, a nickname or two that he acquired uh, at Groton Harvard that was basically implying that he was the president's son and he didn't actually, uh, you know, measure up it, to Go ahead. He was uh, he he was nicknamed first boy at uh, at Groton, and which was uh, something that he hated, and and he uh, he was always a uh, someone at that age quick to raise his dukes if if he felt some umbrage at uh, at a slight, and and uh, and that prompted uh, an, uh, yet another fight in his career. But he was yeah he he was. Uh, 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 he he was a sensitive kid, and and, and his response to this was was uh, was, was usually to to uh, you know he was he liked to wrestle, he liked to box, and uh, and 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 his father was not uh, was not averse to uh, these things either, and and uh, he would sort of lecture Ted on the one hand about getting into trouble, on the other hand he would. Right uh, to Ted saying uh, things like, you know, it's I, I don't want you to pick fights, but I never want you to turn down a fight if you if uh, if if it's necessary or or, or you feel like uh, you're you're defending principles. It's a bit of a mixed message there. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I also uh, you suggest in in the book that it, it's it's in a way it's almost at play with with football. Because uh, you know, when he's playing football at Harvard, you emphasize just how small he is relative to the other mm-hmm. players, and it and and how he compensates for that with this determination uh, to really prove himself, and, and that's a dynamic that 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 seems to be repeated throughout his career. On the one hand, he is, I mean he he is the namesake of Theodore Roosevelt, who is this incredibly dynamic figure, uh, you know, the proponent of the strenuous life. And that comes with a set of expectations. And, and, and he, as you mentioned, he sometimes, he resents that, but at the same time, he really, he doesn't seem to go in the opposite direction and reject that and become this uh, laid back dissolute figure. But instead he, he endeavors as much as he might resent it to live up to those standards. Yeah. And, and, Speaking of uh, his football at Harvard, I I, I read a uh, chapter that's sort of devoted to uh, one particular game that he played against Yale as a freshman. There was a famous photograph that uh, that uh, evolved out of that game of him being helped to the sideline, battered and beaten. He's he's two teammates are are propping him up. Because uh, he between the teammates and his arms draped over them, and he he looks like he's he's gone 
uh, you know, 15 rounds with Jack Dempsey, but uh, he's he's um, he's being dragged from the field, and that was his character. You know, he it, this was after a game in which he 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 was out there playing defensive end and getting just pounded by Yale, which uh, had a much better team and much bigger team, but he continued to subject himself through this whole game to to the uh, uh, pounding that he was taking until he was finally uh, uh, knocked out of the game. But just as you suggest, I, I thought that that really suggested a, his character and a character that would go on and on throughout his life. He was he he was someone whose whose essential being uh, was, was, to me was was that figure that that guy who uh, who who was was willing to stand out there and and take it uh, mm-hmm. uh, for for whatever the cause was and the cause was usually related to uh, his uh, his uh, his. his sense of who he was as a as a young man as the son of, of theodore roosevelt I, I remember this one uh letter you quote from uh that you cite when theodore roosevelt when ted's broken his nose again and how he sort of shrugs it off by saying well it fixed the deviated septum for the previous time <laughs> my nose has been broken <laughs> I I I like that too. Yeah, that was that was uh, it was actually a letter to his mother. Who, uh, but it was, his, I'm sure his father would have appreciated the sentiment that he had to assuage his mother some way about the fact that he'd yet again broken his nose. So uh, another example of that, that, that I thought you, you you describe in the book of his. Uh, unwillingness to, in a sense, exploit his status as the son of Theodore Roosevelt is when he leaves Harvard. And I was wondering if you could speak to uh, what he does uh, after he sets out, uh, from after he graduates from Harvard, and, and, and he goes on. Uh, yeah, he, his first adult job was, uh, was, was on the floor of a carpet factory in, in uh, Connecticut. And he, and he took this job because... He understood uh, through uh, having it drummed into him by his parents that that uh, he had to shape up, and and uh, he decided to do that by by just going in at uh, uh, essentially a minimum what we would we would call a minimum wage job, working on the floor of, of a, a, a factory, a carpet factory in Connecticut, and. Uh, you know there there are some uh, asterisks that have to be attached to this because he did so and had that had his taking this position reported on and by the New York papers so it wasn't as if he was an anonymous uh, laborer going to work at uh, and he you know this was this was the last year of his father's presidency, so uh, he, he was still very much in the news, uh, as were all of the Roosevelts. But yet he took this job, and he, he continued to work on, in this carpet factory for, for, for three or four years, moved with, with the company to a position in, in San Francisco, and actually acquired some, some skills in, 
in in the business he he was said to have a good feel for carpets which i don't know anything about uh, the carpet carpet uh, carpet business but uh, you know i understand that to mean that uh, you you to to judge a good carpet you have to be able to touch it and feel it and assess it and uh, the fact that he would learn something like that gives a sense of of who he was as a character. You know, he he was someone who was who was willing to learn, willing to uh, uh, slog through a, a position to uh, to grow as a as as a person. He he was not willing to just trade on his name and and, and let that carry him through life as 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 he very much very might uh, very well might have. It was one. I think it was one of his most admirable traits. He he was never willing to do that. Uh, again, I would put a, a little asterisk on that to, uh, by saying he was he. Everyone knew who he was, and and he had that benefit. But yet he he didn't push it, and 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 it was really a great trait of his. This is also the time when he gets married and, and starts a family, and I was wondering if you could talk a bit about his uh, wife, Eleanor, and the life that they started for themselves. Eleanor and, and, and Ted were, I think, a great match. They, Eleanor was this uh, sort of a, a slow-eyed, uh, petite uh, young woman who, who had um, uh, uh, sort of a tough family situation her and complicated family situation her her mother and father were divorced and uh and, and ex- divorced remarried and divorced again and uh, and and so she, but Eleanor had a sort of a tough spirit and was an independent uh w- woman they they uh they were uh, they, they they met uh when he was working on this carpet factory at this carpet factory and uh and the her family came from uh wall street money her father was a wall street lawyer who by the way theodore really disliked uh, <laughs> and and uh uh they she had she had been raised in europe primarily going from uh, one well-heeled uh, family member to the next with her mother uh, came back to New York and went to finishing school met theodore they they married um, moved to San Francisco for uh two or three years and then came back to New York uh, w- w- when Ted took a job uh, with a wall street firm uh, and and uh, uh, became a bondsman in on wall street and yet as you explained, that is not initially what he wanted to go into. Because when you, uh, when he's in graduate, when he's preparing to leave Harvard, he talks to his father about going into the military, and, and and his father dissuades him. And so when he goes back to New York and he begins working on Wall Street, you describe how he also begins to get involved in the preparedness campaign. I was wondering if you could set the context a bit about what was happening during that period and, and Ted Roosevelt's entry into uh, military life. Uh, it, during the, the beginning of World War I, uh, Theodore became a, a quick and strong proponent for uh, U.S. entry in, into the war, and uh, Ted followed suit, 
and part of uh, 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 part of that impetus for Ted, any anyway, uh, entailed going off to a a, a, a camp in, in upstate New York, where he he began training uh, for military service as an officer. These were camps that were uh, in, in were actually organized by a number of, uh, of young college men, Harvard grads, as well as uh, Leonard Wood, who was uh, Theodore's uh, co-commanding uh, officer in, in, during the Spanish-American War of the Rough Riders. The idea was that they would, uh, that uh, uh, college students or, or college men or, and Wall Street uh, types would 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 serve as a, a an officer corps in the same way that the Rough Riders combined uh, the Ivy League types with with uh, rough and tough uh, Westerners to to form a uh, you know a very democratic uh, military corps. Uh, this and, and and again, this is all prior to uh, the U.S. entry into the war. It was it, the camps were established. For, by by and for people who were av- generally advocating for entry into the war uh, and and wanted to be prepared, they were uh, Theodore and 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 this uh, company of men were uh, were terribly concerned that uh, uh, when the U.S. entered World War One, it would be unprepared, and and they wanted to have a, a core of of young men. Uh, Ready and able to enter into the U.S. military to help lead the efforts in, in uh, France. And this is one of the reasons why, when the United States goes to war in April of 1917, uh, Ted Roosevelt Jr. is able to be among the first contingent of soldiers who is sent to France from the United States. Yes, uh, Ted was had reached. Uh, a, a, a role of leadership within this uh, upstate New York camp, and and uh, uh, entered into the war, uh, World War One, at the, the level of an officer, and and uh, he was a, a major at the the start of the war because of this, uh, uh, because of his work uh, training in the uh, in these camps. And he uh, he quickly became he was uh, assigned to uh, 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 the first division, which would become a a, a famous division division both in uh, uh, first U.S. Army Infantry Division, both in World War One and World War Two. And uh, he was one of the first to get to France. He was uh, one of the first uh, on the front lines. He was. Uh, uh, he was he was always very proud of his association with that first division, mm-hmm. and yet even though he's going there and he is assuming a lot of the same uh, challenges and 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 sufferings that his men are, you also describe how he skirts the rules in a bit, and his wife skirts the rules. She goes over there just before a ban is placed upon wives uh, going to France and how uh, yeah. they, they set up sort of a, 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 a Roosevelt can, uh, camp in, in Paris yeah. itself. Yeah. Uh, and he, Eleanor, arrived 
uh, almost simultaneous to uh, to Ted in in 1917, uh, and and uh, Eleanor had one of the places that uh, that she had lived as a as a young girl or passed through with with her mother was with an aunt's house in in uh, in Paris, not far from the Champs uh, Champs and and uh, uh, it, it, she. She took up residence there uh, and and established. Uh, she she herself uh, volunteered to work for the YMCA, but uh, uh, and 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 did work for the YMCA throughout the war. But at the same time, this house became sort of a, a, a way station for the many Roosevelts who served uh, in in World War One. And when they passed through Paris, they. They could uh, stop there for some R and R. And among those Roosevelts, of course, were all three of Ted's brothers. Yes, uh, Quentin and Archie and Kermit all passed through, as did Ted. Uh, all four boys were proud uh, uh, members of the U.S. Army, or, and, and and actually, uh, Kermit. Uh, Began service with the uh, uh, British forces in, in the Middle East, but he wound up back in in Europe, uh, uh, serving uh, in in uh, oh in uh, in the in, in the army in France. Was there any sense, perhaps, of competition between them? Oh yeah, uh, they and and the war brought it out too. They were uh, they. They were so eager, and, and this uh, uh, this involves again their the upbringing that they had, and they, this, their their sense of duty, uh, and and their need to serve the uh, the the army. They they were they had sort of a, a sense that uh, in in a in a way for the for the Roosevelt boys and, and for the Roosevelt families, the the more dangerous the service the the uh, higher the reward for them uh, with their father. His, uh, Theodore used the the term uh, "blooded" quite frequently, which by by which he meant uh, actually literally wounded. Uh, and and when Archie, who was the the first to uh, be blooded, was was held up by Theodore as 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 an example of of. Uh, what the others ought to uh, uh, pursue. Uh, now I say that it, 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 there was there was no uh, uh, deep perversity in this. What 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 he meant was that it was uh, it, it, and because Archie was 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 Archie's wound turned out to be much more grisly than any of them thought, but uh, initially, but. Uh, but they were. It, it just meant there was a great deal of pride in in their service, and 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 to show that service, they had to uh, they to be at the front lines was the the greatest service that they could have. I thought that came across really well with with one uh, anecdote you mentioned. I think it was between Ted and Archie, where uh, Ted was trying to get uh, his his younger brother to. Uh, serve in a uh, safer position, uh, not necessarily out of any sort of desire to outshine him, but because he was genuinely concerned for for his brother, and how uh, Archie 
effectively kibosh that by saying, well, I'll serve behind the lines if you serve behind the lines. And as you described, that pretty much ended any discussion of that happening right there. Right, right. And they, they, uh, Quentin suffered from this. Uh, because it, it would, with the ultimate price, uh, uh, and I'm, I, again, I don't want to uh, uh, assign blame to any particular Roosevelt in this, but but uh, Quentin was terribly concerned through his first months of the war that he was not getting out into the combat the way the other brothers were. were. Uh, Quentin was a, a part of the fledgling Air Corps. The Air Corps was was sort of uh, uh, stranded without any American-made planes. They couldn't get uh, French planes to fly, to practice fly, and they, they subsequently couldn't get up in the air. So Quentin was was grounded through, uh, through from his arrival in, in France all the way into the middle of, the, uh, of, of 1918. Um, and... and, and the his other brothers Archie in particular was were pushing him to uh, to uh, to to get out there and uh, and and get up in the air and Quentin would say you know I'm I'm not being a shirker I'm trying to do this but there's just no way we can get up in the air to practice and he and he felt bad because uh, Ted and Archie who were serving in the same unit in the in the war. Uh, were were the first to be on the front lines for uh, in in the U.S. Army in the infantry. He was uh, he he couldn't get up in the air because he didn't have an opportunity. Of course, when he finally got up in the air, he he uh, he, he was about ten days into his his flying service when he was shot down and killed in France. What was uh, Ted's combat experience like? Did he just see a, a, a little bit of combat, or was he pretty much uh, in the thick of it uh, throughout the remainder of the war? He was in the thick of it for the first few months of the war, and, and then in the last uh, month and a half of the war. He was in the first action uh, of, of the U.S. Army in the war, and uh, he, he served the, at a, a battle called uh, at Soissons, which uh, uh, was uh, a terrifically fierce struggle, and, and, and Ted was wounded there, shot through the knee, and it kind of a through-and-through through, uh, that left him debilitated and, and out of service for a couple of months, but then he, he returned to uh, 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 the service at the end of the war and was there uh, through Armistice Day. He, he, was, uh, he, he, he was in the thick of things, through most of 1918. The impact of the war upon him, I thought, was best demonstrated by what he does right after the war with his involvement in the American Legion. I was wondering if you could speak to uh, that, because it's something that uh, doesn't often get as much attention in terms of talking about the Roosevelts, but how integral he was to the creation of the American Legion and, and, and the ideas behind it, which, as you explained, were in many ways very Rooseveltian ideas. Uh, indeed, he he was there at the founding of the Legion. And in fact, uh, I, I don't think it's too much to say that he was the the, the prime mover behind uh, the, the creation of the American Legion, uh, in part because of his name and who he was, but uh, but also he 
he truly believed in in its goals. He the the legion was was begun really uh, by veterans in in France uh, just a couple of months after the war. The the, the general feeling was that uh, that that the, the, they had gone to war and and its their service ended. Uh, uh, relatively quick, uh, quickly, and they were left waiting in in Europe to to go home, and and uh, there was this longing for something more. Uh, I'm I'm speaking for more camaraderie, a greater sense that they had accomplished something, a greater sense that that they had fought this fight for a reason, and uh, and and I they. They thought that if they they continued their the associations that they'd made in in Europe back home, they could affect continue to affect uh, uh, life in the United States through their their camaraderie and unity. And so uh, Theodore or Ted came home and and uh, uh, after initial organizational meetings in in Paris. And they continued organizing in the U.S. and and uh, the spring of uh, 1919, uh, there was a big meeting in St. Louis at which Ted was uh, uh, the the figurehead leader of the the group, uh, and and there was a universal cry for him to become uh, be made the first uh, uh, president of the American Legion. But he declined, and this is another instance where where he was very sensitive to his position as a as the son of the president and and or the, the recently deceased president in this case, and he 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 didn't want to take advantage. He truly didn't want to take advantage of that. Uh, he thought people would consider it a, a political ploy, a, a, him forming his own uh, uh, political. Uh, funders and backers uh, in the form of these uh, these veterans and he didn't want that and and uh, uh, I think there were, that's just another element of, of Ted's uh, his sense of service and his sense of uh, of uh, moral leadership and, but it, and it also highlights uh, in comparison with his father the degree to which his career was at a sort of a, a dissonant from that of his father, because Theodore Roosevelt in the late 19th century, he had gone to the state legislature. He had then, you know, gone into a series of appointed positions uh, before the Spanish American war. So when he came back, it, you know, it, it was in the space of a year, he goes from being assistant secretary of the Navy to becoming war hero, to becoming governor elective of, of the, of New York state. Theodore Jr., he has the the war record. He has the stature, but he still has not officially really begun that political career. You, you describe this moment in St. Louis where he has this entire assemblage of people, you know, cheering him on. You say it goes on for an hour and a half of them trying to get him to accept it, and he definitely is is demurring for that reason. But there also is a sense that he's not quite ready to take that moment. He, he's not where his, his father was at the end of his war in, in 1898. He, he, that's, that's very true. I, I think that he was, he, he was just not 
as you say, he was just not ready for it. And but also, it distinguishes him from his father because his father was a truly political animal from from a young age. And and uh, uh, and and as you outlined, Theodore had this meteoric rise, which uh, which he he. He sort of measured at every step of the way, uh, you know, even his his uh, entry as a uh, uh, in in the Rough Riders and as in at in the uh, Spanish American War were, were were measured and they were calculated and and uh, uh, and every. Uh, everything he did from from assistant secretary of navy to the governorship to the vice presidency and 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 then the chance of becoming a, uh, president was 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 something that uh, that that in a way he calculated and and uh he accepted and 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 took advantage of ted on the other hand gets that opportunity to to become a um uh a, a a leader of a, of a kind of movement, the the Legion movement uh, in in St. Louis, and he decides he he's not ready, and he and he actually takes what I what in a political sense was probably a, a big step backwards by by following in his father's footsteps by deciding that his first political step will be to run for the uh, the New York uh, legislature. Uh, which he does in in uh, uh, that the fall of 1919 and gets a seat there and and uh, and, and begins. But he's you know by that time uh, he's 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 too big for the office really and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but he he he's he's sort of being a dutiful son uh, at, at because his father had had made this first initial foray uh, in, into the legislature. Ted feels. It would be a good step for him to learn the ins and outs of New York politics. So that's what he does. And that's where you also begin to, in your book, get into the dynamic between uh, Ted as the now head of the uh, Oyster Bay Roosevelt's and then the uh, competition, if you will, with the Hyde Park Roosevelt's because Ted finds himself in a very uh unexpected position in 1919 because his father dies at the relatively young age of 61. Uh, people are, were talking about him possibly running for president in 1920. Now, all of a sudden, uh, Ted is the next generation. And on the one hand, he has this you know sterling resume of, of, of being a war hero, but he has none of that preparatory work. Whereas, by contrast, the, the Hyde Park Roosevelt's, you have Franklin Roosevelt who has followed virtually the exact same model of state legislative service, then Assistant Secretary of the Navy, and then in 1920 he becomes the vice presidential nominee. And as you described in the early 1920s, there is something of this competition of who is going to be that next generation of Roosevelt's. What will the next generation, who will be the next, uh, the Roosevelt of the next generation to assume political leadership. Yeah, yeah, this is a, a very interesting moment in in this joint family history. Uh, Franklin has, just as you describe, has uh, is has followed it. 
as, as Ted is beginning to do. Uh, and, and Franklin has been the Assistant Secretary of Navy uh, through World War I uh, under Woodrow Wilson and, uh, and uh, the, uh, a Democrat. And, and uh, in the summer of 1920, the Dem- Democratic Party chooses Franklin to be the next vice presidential candidate uh, on the party ticket. And uh, suddenly the, the, uh, uh, the, the Theodore Roosevelt family uh, becomes alarmed because Franklin is, is, in their estimation, usurping the rightful uh, legacy of, of, uh, of, of Theodore Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And not, o- not only usurping it, but if he's successful, he, he might supplant Ted, who is the uh, the uh, the leader of the Sagamore Hill Roosevelt family, and and uh, uh, though Ted is, as we said, Ted is not quite ready to do, assume that uh, that position. So what to do? Uh, and and as Franklin goes out on the hustings, uh, running for vice president, and and it, to back up a moment, it should be said that the Democrats. Are, are not exactly innocent about uh, nominating Franklin for this position because they're well aware that that there are many people out in the electorate who who will assume that Franklin is just one of those many Theodore Roosevelt boys who were running around the White House a few years ago, <laughs> and uh, so you know they're try- the Democrats are trying to take advantage of it, and the Republicans are saying, "What should we do to counter this?" And and they ask Ted to go out uh, and and trail Franklin and and uh, be the 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 truth teller and be the the true Roosevelt uh, to his uh, fifth cousin uh, uh, Faker. And. In, uh, and of course, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, loses in 1920 and Ted receives a, uh, you know, he's rewarded for his efforts by becoming assistant secretary of the Navy. And then, of course, uh, in 1921, Franklin comes down with polio. Uh, and so for a period of time, it looks as though Ted is in the proverbial driver's seat and, and that he is, 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 you know, in, in, you know, well on his way to the White House. And then, but then you describe what happens, uh, in 1923 and 1924, which really seems to throw a, a wrench in the plans. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, I think few people remember this about the, about Ted and Ted's life that he was, uh, during that period when, when Franklin was first, uh, diagnosed and stricken, uh, he, Ted was was a far more uh, was considered to have the, the far better political future than Franklin, and and uh, uh, he was also a member of the cabinet, or uh, actually a, an assistant member of the cabinet. But uh, uh, he would ultimately become Secretary of the Navy. Uh, at any rate, uh, he, he's he's cultivating New York politics. His sister Alice plays a role in this. They're all uh, they they all have this notion that uh, uh, the the Ted will will become one of the uh, 
senior members of the Republican Party in New York and either become a U.S. senator or the governor of New York. And uh, he is nominated and, and or wins the nomination of, uh, for, in the governor's race in 1924. But he's had a, 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 a little problem as is in, with uh, working in Washington with a teapot dome scandal, which you'll remember was a, a famous Harding administration uh, uh, scandal that, uh, that, that rocked the cabinet and rocked Washington. Uh, Ted was, uh, was never uh, deeply involved in the in the scandal that uh, that he was had a was not and was never found to be guilty of anything in in the, the scandal but but he was peripherally involved and uh, tainted by it and 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 that became a um, a, a troubling point in his political career. He ran for governor in 1924 and faced uh, uh, Al Smith, who was a New York powerhouse and. Uh, uh, um, the 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 race was tight, but uh, but Ted, it was not to be for Ted. He 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 lost by a hundred thousand votes in in uh, the the November nineteen twenty four. And you described that one of the most uh, dramatic uh, aspects of the campaign was that uh, during the campaign you had. A, uh, a sort of a, a, a bit of public theater in which there was a car being driven around with a teapot uh, attached to it, and, uh, and 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 that it, just to make sure, as you point out, to to make it clear that the words "teapot dome" were written on the side of it to remind voters of this unsavory association. And what made it so especially bitter was who it was that was driving it. <laughs> It was bitter and surprising. Uh, it'll be surprising for uh, many people. Uh, uh, Eleanor Franklin's uh, Franklin's wife, uh, same name as uh, as Ted's spouse, by the way, uh, and a more direct was, relation to Ted than than, than Franklin. And, was. Oh yes, I, I should say that so she was she was uh, Ted's first cousin, the, the daughter of uh, of Elliot uh, Theodore's. Uh, Dissolute uh, brother uh, who had died as a relatively young man and 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 left uh, Eleanor orphaned. Um, at any rate, Eleanor and Franklin married, and uh, 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 Eleanor grew up around the Theodore Roosevelts, and there were a lot of interconnections and a lot of associations. Alice uh, and Eleanor were were as a recent book. Uh, uh, Title called them hissing cousins, <laughs> and uh, uh, they, so Eleanor was always around the, the the family. But by 1924, with her husband uh, spending most of his time now in Florida trying to rehabilitate uh, uh, his his uh, crippled legs, um, Eleanor became uh, much more involved. In political circles in in New York, and trying to uh, 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 keep her hand, her husband's hand in things, and one of the things that she she opted to do was strongly support Al Smith in in the 1924 election. She did this by uh, uh, decorating a, a car, and just as as Ted had followed uh, Franklin around in 1920. 
Eleanor followed Ted around New York and, and uh, uh, as her own truth squad tried to, with this, with this paper mache teapot dome on top of the car, uh, followed, followed Ted around the state and, and tried to set people straight about uh, his politics and, and his association with the Harding administration scandals. It really does seem to be a, a very pivotal point in both their careers because Eleanor is building up her stature. She's helping to pave the way for uh, Franklin to become uh, Al Smith's choice to replace him in 1928. And it really seems that's the point at which Ted's career is derailed, and he never really seems to get it back on track afterward. No, and, and it's a it's a curious thing, and uh, it, I think it involves... Uh, sort of a study of of New York politics in the twenty, which are really uh, an, an interesting thing. If you if you think about how many uh, New Yorkers moved on, many of them from the Roosevelt family moved on to the uh, the national stage uh, as as uh, presidential and vice presidential candidates, you realize how important it was and and how precious were those uh, New York state offices. Mm-hmm. Ted decided after 1924 to, to uh, take up another uh, uh, aspect of his Roosevelt character uh, that, that he, he probably also acquired from his father. He decided to go off with the Kermit on a, uh, on a pair of, of, Lengthy adventures uh, that were that were kind of combination hunting trips, explorations in Asia, and uh, so in 1925 <clears throat> he began planning a planning a trip under the auspices of the Field Museum out of Chicago to go to the Himalayas to hunt for uh, uh, they were called Ovis poli, which is a, a big bighorn sheep that were first spotted by Marco Polo back in uh, what the 13th century uh, and and uh, uh, he and uh, he and uh, Kermit made plans to to go off on this eight or nine month excursion to hunt the the, the sheep uh, for a, uh, to place in a, a exhibit at the field museum and they did so mm-hmm. And then they go back and they uh, they they hunt a panda bear, and he makes it back in time to campaign in 1928. And while he is rewarded with positions in the Hoover administration, they're not quite the positions that that you know that he was hoping that he'd get you know commensurate with his name and and and, and the service that he'd been providing. Yeah, and I think by this time, uh, though he, he didn't quite. Uh, acknowledge it to himself, or, or, or and the family didn't quite acknowledge it to themselves. But I think he was on uh, sort of a, a downward slide from the uh, from being thought of as the in the highest echelons of Republican uh, figures. Uh, uh, and 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 I think he he was almost a loyal and dutiful uh, party man. He would go out and use the Roosevelt name to. Uh, to spread the the word about republicanism and and but he, he was he he was given uh he he was he was given the uh uh the the uh 
I'm blanking on the word for in Puerto Rico. He became the uh, yes, the governor of Puerto Rico, and but it was Puerto Rico was was not uh, the highest office that in the diplomatic corps that he might have achieved, and he did the he, once again uh, he he did the dutiful work, and he and he was. He was considered a, a very good governor of this, uh, of, of Puerto Rico and, and, uh, very helpful during the depths of the depression to the, for this impoverished state and, and looked out for their interests. But, uh, it was not quite a, what he wanted. And, and, uh, again, his sister Alice, uh, was, was there to point out that, uh, wasting his time in, in San Juan and, and, uh, needed to get back to Washington to uh, a different, more prestigious post, and ultimately he did. He got the the, the Philippines were a, a, a far more uh, uh, prestigious post in the diplomatic corps, and and, uh, and he got that as his uh, uh, his next position. In but uh, it actually it coincided with uh, the 1932 presidential election in which Franklin. Uh, once again, appeared in his life. Mm-hmm. And at that point, given the Great Depression and the damage it does to the Republican Party, you know his political career is effectively at an end. And he's not even fifty years old. He's he's, he's experienced his entire rise and fall in politics before he uh, even reaches a point at which some uh, people just begin their political career. It, it, it's there's really something a little bit sad about it because uh, he, he, you know, I, I will say that I, I don't think Ted was ever a great politician. And I think that if this hadn't occurred, something else would have prevented him from, from assuming high office. But, uh, you know, he did have tough luck as far as timing is concerned. And, and, uh, and the tough luck came in the form, uh, in this form and, uh, is, uh, of, of the depression, the Democrats coming to power, and the fact that he was such a tried and true uh, Republican. He was he, he, uh, when Franklin first took office, as you say, he was uh, uh, Ted was uh, still less than fifty years old, but, but already he could foresee that the. Uh, with the Democrats coming to power, it would be a very tough road to hoe for him to uh, uh, get back at, and running for that office, mm-hmm. even at the end of eight years. And yet he doesn't stay out of politics altogether. And this becomes especially clear as the decade comes to an end and you have the specter of war rearing up again in Europe and uh, Ted Roosevelt, uh, steps up in and, and gets into uh, uh steps onto the public stage once again what 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 position does he take with regard to uh the 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 you know the war in europe well he 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 got outside the mainstream of of uh, of of history i think here uh he became a member of the america first movement uh, of uh and and he did so in part because he he simply uh, was it was still continuing war with Franklin, but also uh, there were some some there were convictions involved and and he just felt convinced that uh, that um, America the U.S. should not become involved 
in European conflicts. And this was something that he had he had become convinced of after the First World War. That uh, you know he became he was he was not an isolationist, but he just didn't did not think that American might should be committed lightly to uh, uh, to European wars. He was, and I want to be clear that he was not. Uh, he, he he did not love history, and or Hitler or, or did, did, was not never a proponent of fascism or Nazism, uh, and 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 actually his sympathies were always with with uh, Great Britain in the initial stages of the the war. Uh, yet he didn't he 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 didn't want to commit U.S. Blood and treasure to the the campaign. There were a lot of people in the U.S. at the time who were who, who uh, and not not just isolationists and not just conservatives who were America firsters. Uh, there was there was a strong movement on the left, progressive movements who who also resisted uh, efforts to get into the war. That's not to make excuses for him, but just to explain that. That it was a uh, it was a pretty large and widespread movement at the time. Yeah, it's interesting that in that respect, his position uh, with regard to the Second World War is diametrically opposite of his father's in 1916, 1917 with regard to the First World War, and so too is their experience of stepping up and serving because Theodore Roosevelt had tried to, uh, as you describe in the book, tried to uh, uh, you know get a command of a regiment uh, when the U.S. went into war in 1917. Uh, Ted, when uh, after Pearl Harbor, uh, seeks a command, and unlike his father, he gets one. Yeah, it, there, it, it is very ironic that, uh, that, that their positions were so changed over that course of time. Uh, over, uh, Ted's position, and Ted shared his father's sentiments during uh, at the start of the first world war and before uh, but they but as as suggested they ted's ideas about world war 2 changed drastically and just as you say he, he at the same time they the roosevelt family was so committed to service that it didn't it it, it there there seemed to them no contradiction there seemed to Ted no contradiction in in volunteering for uh, uh, military du- duty at the same time as he was fighting uh, in, the, in the America First movement to stay out of the war. Uh, he just didn't see any contradiction in that because he he, w- he was so committed to uh, uh, to service and to the idea that if if this came to uh, uh, a uh, uh, necessity. If war came to a necessity, he was going to be the first in line. He would always be first in line, and this this was a uh, sentiment that was ingrained in him uh, by his father and by his mother from from childhood onward. And when you say he's first in line, you're not just speaking metaphorically. You describe a <laughs> no. very active uh, 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 war for him. And I was wondering if you could explain a bit as to. Uh, what positions uh, he served in during the war, and and some of the people that he dealt with uh, during that service. He was he was a remarkable figure in my estimation as as far as his uh, his his absolute need to be up front and out front and with his troops and as a commander. Uh, 
he was he, he, once again he he was placed by an old friend George Marshall who had moved from being a, 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 a an acquaintance during the First World War to uh, the U.S. Army uh, in in the Second World War. Uh, Marshall appointed him uh, as uh, assistant divisional commander to or assistant commander to the first division uh, and and ted was was uh, was assigned to all of the uh, major campaigns at one time or another working with the first division he uh, uh, he, he the commander of the first division was a man named Terry Allen, a very colorful character. And they were they were in Operation Torch, which was the invasion of North Africa, uh, and and uh, served throughout the North African campaign. Uh, Ted was at the front lines in Sicily. was was uh, part of the amphibian uh, amphibious invasion of Sicily in in uh, the summer of uh, 1943. Uh, he served in Italy uh, in in the fall of 1943. And uh, uh, he, in, in all of these services, he was in numerous battles. Uh, was, uh, was was again at the front lines at actions in North Africa, front line uh, through the course of the campaign through Sicily. Uh, and he, and then in the uh, spring and early late winter of of uh, uh, in 1944, he. Volunteered and and was a, a persistent bug in the ear of <laughs> of uh, uh, his new commander, a, a man named Tubby Barton, in a new division, the Fourth Division, to become a part of the invasion of Normandy in uh, uh, June of 1944. He famously becomes the uh, only American general to land at uh, Normandy on the first day of battle, and you describe this. Very dramatic scene that's been uh, that's been uh, fictionalized uh, and and is to a degree controversial as to as to who said what at that moment. But this famous moment where he's landing at Utah Beach and 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 he discovers that things didn't exactly go according to plan. Yeah, he was he had he at fifty six year old gimpy general. Uh, uh, Canes his way. He's carrying a uh, cane to help assist him out of the landing craft at Utah Beach, and he's he spends uh, uh, much of the morning going back and forth directing troops on the on the sands of Utah Beach. But as he gets out of the craft initially, he and his uh, 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 compatriots discover that they have landed in the long in the wrong spot on the beach. And uh, Ted and the commanders of uh, the other commanders at the beach gather to determine what to do, and and uh, uh, they they're they're hovering in the behind a tank just off the beach, and and uh, uh, looking at maps, looking at at looking for the causeways that are going to lead them off the beach. And uh, one of them, and Ted is always given credit, but it may be because he was just the most distinguished figure there, uh, said, uh, well, whatever the case, the war begins here. Mm-hmm. And, and and they proceed from there. The, the Gibbon issue... Very famous. 
Yeah, it was. It, I, I first encountered it when I saw it on The Longest Day when Henry Fonda played Ted uh, Roosevelt, and he just has him sort of, you know, throwing it as an offhand casual comment. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, Henry Fonda, by the way, not an exact replica of <laughs> Ted Roosevelt. You have a picture in, in your book, which I thought was very striking, which is you have uh, Ted Roosevelt staying next to uh, George Patton, uh, under yeah. whom he also served. And you have, you have George Patton, who, who's, who's towering over this, this very diminutive uh, yeah. uh, Ted Roosevelt. I he, love that picture, yeah. You mentioned the gippiness, though, and that really gets to uh, what what happens uh, at at the very end, which is that by this point, as you described, you know, Ted is not in the best of health, and it's not just uh, the the gimpiness caused by his uh, old war wound from World War One, but he's suffering from quite a few other maladies as well. He's uh, he has heart disease. It's it's undiagnosed heart disease, but he has it, uh, and and. He had just prior to uh, arriving at England in preparation for the invasion of Normandy, he's hospitalized with a serious case of pneumonia that uh, that keeps him in the hospital for a full three weeks prior to uh, to going on to England. Uh, as he this is he he, he the, the pneumonia strikes him as he's en route from from Italy uh, to to England. He also begins to have uh, this, this, some chest pains, and, and these he, he just he, he confided to his son, uh, uh, another Quentin, uh, who who was served with uh, with Ted throughout uh, North Africa and into England. Uh, just on the eve of his death, Quentin wrote about it to his uh, his mother after after Ted's death. And Ted, I, I, I think I've gotten ahead of myself here. Ted, uh, uh, subsequent to to, to the uh, invasion of of uh, in Normandy, serves uh, continues to serve for a month afterwards in uh, in uh, uh, Normandy before succumbing to a heart attack and dying. Yeah, he he uh, had just received command of his own division, and then he has this this heart attack, and he dies at at, at the age of uh, fifty six. So, yep. Uh, we've uh, been taking up a good deal of your time, but I was wondering if you could tell us before you go uh, what it is you're you're working on now. Uh, you know, I am searching for a sub. I had thought for a time that I would uh, uh, switch from World War II histories to uh, a Civil War uh, story, but uh, but I'm finding myself steering back once again to <laughs> World War II. But I haven't. I, I really haven't nailed the subject down yet. Well, I hope. I had when... thought. That, but never mind. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I, I, I was just going to say. I hope that inspiration strikes you soon. I hope it does as well. <laughs> Well, uh, Tim Brady, thank you very much for taking some time out of your schedule to speak with us today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, 
Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.